find Numbers chapter 12 in your Bibles, if you would, as we continue uh, our series uh, today. And uh, as we look at the life of Moses, we're in Numbers chapter 12, 16 verses. We're going to look at many of those. Now, I've got about 52 of them, but this is one of my favorite Sundays because it is the only Sunday of the year that I will wear work boots and blue jeans and come and preach in the pulpit. So uh, this is Serve Day. Some of you might remember a year ago we had Serve Day. Actually, more a year ago. It was in August because it was a very hot day. But we were building walls for Beauregard. Our goal was to build about 80 walls. We built in about two hours with everybody helping. We built about 100 walls till they ran out of wood on Sunday. And then on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, built about 80 more walls that were built for Beauregard on those days. So that was a big serve day. We have no reason to believe that our serve days will not continue to be big. We understand this year probably not maybe as big, but we do have four projects that are going on. Two that are going to be helping Women's Hope. One will be helping Big House. All three of those will be here at the church in the Christian Life Center where those will be taking place for the Holiday Hall. And, uh, and then also we've got one that is helping uh, One Voice Women's Shelter, One Voice Coalition Women's Shelter in Opelika. Here's the plan. If you've signed up, if you haven't signed up, you'd still sign up. But uh, by 11.45, meals are going to be available. We have plenty of meals for anybody who wants to come. If for some reason we have an overwhelming number of people, what we will do is uh, we'll half those boxes and ask the Lord to bless it and see if there are leftovers or some baskets or something left over. But I think we're going to have plenty. You can sign up in the CLC as you come in at 1145 for whichever project that you want to be a part of. About 1230, we hope to be a part of those, three of those here. And uh, so it is. if you're wondering why is the preacher dressed like this, now you know that it is serve day. All I really had to think was... Um, what I was going to wear today, I thought, how would, the, how would the praise band dress? And then that's what I did, and it all worked out pretty well. Uh, so it's exciting days, lots of things that are happening. We want to welcome you here today. We're glad that you're here. If you're visiting here today, we give you a special word of welcome, and we're glad that you're here. Connection cards are available in and out. Love to have more information about you. We welcome those in our overflow rooms. We welcome those who are continuing to live stream, and we're glad that you join in every week to be a part of. So Parkway and what's happening, it's uh, all over the place, all over the building, all over the community, and uh, even at least in one country that listens in several different states, but mostly uh, right here in and around Lee County. Uh, we know that we have people that continue to live stream, continue to worship at home, and we appreciate the fact that they do that very thing. Numbers chapter 12 has 16 verses. We're going to read half of those now, and we'll pay attention to the other half as we move forward. So you want to keep your Bibles open. But let's read the first eight verses. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he'd married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses is very meek more than all the people who are on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent, called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so, my servant Moses." He is faithful in all my house. Within, with him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. 
Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word together. Well, let's just pause for long enough to say that we've been on quite a journey together. We've been on a journey this year so far, and we know that it's not over yet. We've been on a journey, if you've been a part of our worship services, as we've been talking about this called the escape zone and talking about the life of Moses has carried us through Exodus and we talked to Deuteronomy a couple of weeks ago and now we're in Numbers looking at another episode in the life of Moses and so that we might be able to apply God's word to all that's going on. So we're on a journey together, not just going through those things, but we're on a journey so that we might be able to apply God's word and so that we might be able to represent Christ in the world in which we live. Parkway Baptist Church has been representing Christ for 50 years a couple of weeks ago, we started our 50th year, and we had a little bit of a celebration then. We're going to have even more so this year, and hopefully for the end of the year, everybody be able to come back, even our charter members be able to celebrate together and have a big day. It was about 50 years ago that I walked the aisle, not of this church, but of another church in Birmingham, and as I walked the aisle, I told the pastor that I felt that the Lord was calling me to preach. I was nine years old. Well, I don't remember exactly what I told the preacher that day of why I came, except that I thought God was calling me to be a preacher. understand the verdict's still out as to whether that's true or not. But heard a young boy not long ago reminded me of this because he said that he thought that he wanted to preach. And when asked why, he said, well, I've got to be at church anyway, and I, if I thought it'd be a lot better to stand up and yell than it would be to sit and be still. Well, that might have been that might have been my some of my spiritual reasoning for that as well. But let me just take a moment to say that how thankful I am that the Lord allows me to be able to speak the unspeakable, the unsearchable truths of God's word, to be able to share the most important thing that there is to share, to be able to talk with you about those things, and to be able to serve you here at Parkway Baptist Church, forty years in ministry, 30 years as a pastor, one-fourth of that time of uh, those 40 years has been spent here at Parkway Baptist Church. Two different stints it took me to be able to fulfill that, and we hope for many, many more. But how thankful I am to be around Parkway Baptist Church who continues to want to know Christ Jesus more and wants to be able to serve and love one another, be able to serve the community, and that's what we want to be doing. We have God's word today is we're going to be finding out how we might have, find characteristics of what it means to have a different kind of life, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, even this passage today, because what we want to do is we want to apply the passage today that all the things that we're going through, those things that we're going through together, those things that you're going through individually, so that we might be able to understand and we might make a difference and even have influence in other people's lives. And in this particular episode that we're looking at, we know that the Lord is uh, wanting to speak to us even today. So we talk about, particularly talk about today, uh, investigate this passage and identify followers of Jesus who are making a difference. One of those is servant leaders. If you're following along in your notes, feel free to uh, write that down or at least see it there maybe on the jumbotron. But servant leaders or making a difference. Jesus told us to be greatest in the kingdom, you must be servant of all. Now, there are all kinds of leaders, and there are many that can get people to follow them, but when we talk about leaders today, and we even use that term, we're talking about godly, Christ-like servant leaders. This episode in Numbers 12 takes place as the Israelites are 
continuing on their way to the land of Canaan, to the promised land. And they're on a journey together. Thus, we talk about today. We're on a journey together. In the first couple of verses of this chapter, we find there's some tension and discontent among the so-called servant leaders. You've read the passage. You've got it in front of you. Miriam, Aaron, and Moses uh, are considered leaders. You know what else they had in common, don't you? Their family, two brothers and a sister. And uh, so not only is it a leadership dispute, it's a family squabble. And just so we are clear, we're learning from all three people who are in this passage today from two of these. We're learning how not to let pride cause us to stumble. We're learning what not to do. And for Moses, we're going to learn the strength of humility. Now, I suppose anyone can do this, but it seems sometimes with families particularly, you can sometimes be upset about one thing, but you end up discussing something else. Maybe even particularly with husbands and wives, it finds that sometimes in the family, we're the most historical people that we can imagine. We can think of something that maybe has happened in the past or something we really want to discuss, particularly something else. But it happens in Moses' family. And in Moses' family, they discuss and they bring up something else before they talk about what is really they want to talk about. Moses had married a Cushite woman. Now, some translations say that she had married, uh, he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, the word Cushite, it just means a descendant of Cush. Cush was a grandson of Noah, and those ones, the grandchildren of Noah, they had moved to the land to where parts of it was in Ethiopia. But also there was uh, the word cushion is also a term used for the Midianites, which is where Moses' wife Zipporah was from. So it could be that they were just referring to the wife Zipporah or another wife whom Moses had married maybe after Zipporah had died. We don't know for sure. But to make it a little more complicated, it can also be a term used to describe the tone of skin color. Now, before you read too much into this, keep in mind Moses was not Caucasian. Either way, they were criticizing Moses for not marrying a true Israelite woman. But regardless, even though we may not know exactly why, that wasn't the real issue. Because we find that they were jealous of Moses' leadership position. We find in the second verse, when they really get around to the real issue, they say in a spirit of judgmental criticism, does the Lord only speak through Moses? Who is he? He speaks through us too. Now, you don't even have to read the rest of the chapter to know that what's going to happen next is not going to be good. Why? Because we know that regardless, God don't like ugly. They were complaining. And who are they complaining to? Go ahead, look again. Who, who is Moses, excuse me, who is Miriam and Aaron? Who are they complaining and saying these words to? You know, when I first read this, I thought they were saying them to Moses, even though they're saying it in third person. But as you look, you probably caught it right off. They're saying it to each other. Or they're saying it to other people and they're complaining about Moses. They begin with the wife, then they say, who is it that they, you know, God only speaks to Moses. Doesn't God speak to us too? But we find out that they were probably not saying it to Moses. Well, who should they have said that? If they had a problem with Moses, they should have gone to Moses. If it was a legitimate problem, they probably should have gone to the Lord. Before the Lord deals with Miriam and Aaron, the text pauses in verse 3 to emphasize the character of Moses. And to make sure you understand the character of Moses, we read to where it says, the man, there's, 
there's kind of that commentary on what's happening. It says the man, Moses, was the most humble man on the earth. It wasn't just rhetoric. He really was. Now, the word humble is also translated as meek. It is here in the English Standard Version. It's not the word for weakness used normally, but it expresses a devout dependence on the Lord. It's often been said about this fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, sometimes translated as gentleness, that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. I know as we talk about humble servanthood today, it's really not the most popular subject. And even in church settings like this, we kind of greet it with maybe a little bit of a yawn because it's not, it's not really what we think of as the American way. Nowhere as we think about what we're going to do or what we want to succeed in life, we say, well, you know what I like to do? Boy, I sure like to be meek. What I really like to do is to be humble. But instead, we, at least in the American way, we think, well, it is whatever we can get for me and mine. It is to put ourselves first, but strength is found according to God's word and not promoting yourself first, but in serving others. That's true strength that shows true faith in God. So we're talking about living a life that's different. Followers of Jesus who are making a difference are servant leaders. You don't find Moses here in this particular passage speaking up for himself in this passage. I mean, he's talking to his brother and his sister. My goodness, why not tell what you think? Wouldn't you tell it to your brother and your sister or a family member? But we don't find them saying, look at all that the Lord has done through me. Look at all the things that I've done. We don't, we don't even find him saying, listen, when it comes to who's in charge, I'm the one in charge. Book of Proverbs often talks about the wisdom of keeping your mouth closed and letting another speak up for you instead of speaking up for yourself. Let another person give you honor. Don't seek to honor yourself. The evidence in this passage is that Miriam, though, is the instigator of this and not Aaron. Miriam's the first one mentioned in verse 1, and she's the one that receives, as we will see, she's the one that receives the punishment. The fact that she was a servant used by God is not debated. You remember Miriam? She, she was the one who was found in the Nile River that watched Moses when the basket was floating away to make sure that uh, it was found, someone was found to watch over Moses. You remember Miriam? She was the one that wrote the very first song of the Israelites, a new song that was sung when they had crossed over in the Red Sea, and the Red Sea had, had parted. You may not know this, but there are ten women in the Bible that are called prophetesses. Who was the first one? It was Miriam. But at least in this episode, in this very part of her life, for whatever reason, she wanted more of a leadership position or at least more recognition. But it's probably true if you have to tell people that you're a servant leader, if you have to go after it, you're probably not. But for Miriam, these were not some of her best moments. But Moses was a servant leader. Now, I, uh, I have in my library, I have several thesaurus. I've got a real thin one when I'm in a hurry. You know what a thesaurus is? Looking up for words that maybe, and I was looking, so that you find words to express a little bit better. So I wordsmith a little bit. I've got a thin one, I've got a medium one, and I've got a big one. But now that I Google, I don't use any of them. But I was looking up particularly how could we describe Moses as the kind of leader that he was. So I looked up leader, and it really didn't come up with the words. It was words like dictator, master, and ruler for the synonyms. But for the anonyms, the very first one was follower, and the second one was servant. It just seems strange that Moses, arguably the greatest leader of the Old Testament, his first and greatest attribute was that he was a humble servant. 
Now, it's only strange if you don't know Jesus. Because in light of what Jesus says, it, it's often those opposite things. The first shall be last. If you want to gain your life, you must lose it. And then he said in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26, it says, Among you it will be different. You really want to live a different kind of life. Among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. That's if you have a desire to be an influence in any way as a Christian, be it in your family or in the church or in your office or school or in leading others to Christ, you must first become a servant of God in order to be the person of influence because it would be hard. You could call yourself, but it would be hard. How about difficult from what we understand the Bible says to be called a servant of God and not serve others? Well, what a great passage is today on Serve Day to be talking about this very passage and about being a servant. And uh, uh, I'm thankful for Parkway Baptist Church and thank you that you are making a difference as well because what kind of followers of Jesus are making a difference? We talked longer about that one. These will go a little bit faster, but faithful and trustworthy people are making a difference. The faithful and trustworthy God calls Aaron, Miriam, and Moses to the tent of meeting. I've got, I've got to say, I wonder how that happened. I mean, when the Bible says God called them, there's two million Israelites, they're living in a big camp there in the wilderness, and how did he call them to the tent of meeting? Did his voice come out like a loudspeaker over the camp? Moses, Aaron, and Miriam now hear this, come to the tent of meeting, or probably more likely something that they felt or they just knew maybe among themselves. But that's one thing to imagine. The other thing is to imagine what they must have thought was going to take place. Any person of authority calls you up. Depending on whether you've been faithful and trustworthy or faithful over the task will probably determine how you're going to feel about that very thing. For Moses, he had no problem. He'd gone to the tent of meeting met with the Lord many times. For Aaron and Miriam, we imagine they might have been trembling in their work boots if it was served day. If anyone in authority calls you, you've been faithful, you know you have no fears, and at the tent of meeting, God meets with them and he calls Aaron and Miriam forward. Now, not only have they been called to the tent of meeting, but Aaron and, meeting, Aaron and, Mir Aaron and Miriam are now to get a little, come a little, Lord calls them a little closer. He begins to tell them a thing or two about a servant Moses. He says to prophets, Lord speaks in visions and dreams. Ah, but it's different with Moses. We read ESV, it said he speaks mouth to mouth, face to face, maybe an understanding for us. Why? Because he's faithful. He's my servant according to verse 7. The New Testament writer of Hebrews was talking about faithful service. And he used Moses also, just like we're doing today. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 5, he said this, quoting this passage, maybe paraphrasing this, it says, And Moses was indeed faithful in all his house as a servant for testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. So it's a testimony for us today. If, if there's one attribute in the Christian community that rises to the top of the things that we need, it is to be trusted. Verse 7 says, Moses, God's servant, who is faithful. Being called God's servant is the greatest compliment a person could receive. In, in the Old Testament, there's just a small fraternity of 
men who are called God's servants. Abraham was called God's servants. Caleb uh, was called God's servants because of his wholehearted devotion. Just a few are called servants of God. And Moses, perhaps the most faithful so far, is trusted with the kind of communication with God like no other before him. How important that kind of trust is in the church, in the Christian community. And it will lead others and bring others to Jesus as well because if they can truly trust you, I mean, if somebody can trust and know that you're a faithful person, you're a person of integrity, then when you tell them that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, well, they'll believe you. They'll believe that makes a difference. They'll want to know why. They'll want to know about Jesus as well. Among those outside the church, it may not seem as important. It's more of what you can do for me that matters, and I'll trust you as far as I can see you, but no more. It may not seem as important as a church, but I tell you, outside the church, but, but it is, and I believe it is what's missing in the world today. God called Moses a faithful servant, and again, Moses has not said a word in the passage yet in what we've read. We pray for our president today who's in the hospital. The Bible tells us we should, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and other places, we should pray for our leaders, for those in authority, so that we might be able to have peace on this earth and so that others may come to know Jesus as well. And so we pray for the present. On November 1st, Sunday, November 1st, I'm going to preach on Christ's attitude toward politics and the government and so hopefully will help us maybe in our attitude and what that should be it's important for believers uh, as well and uh, you know we pray for his leadership as well not only his health we pray for his leadership whether it be for a few months or a few years his uh, his testing positive has almost overshadowed the spectacle of a debate on Tuesday night of this week that has been subtitled a appropriately grumpy old men. Now, if there's a next debate, we hope that it will not be subtitled even grumpier old men. Now, I'm not making a political statement. I'm just talking about what you're talking about. But as I read about Moses, I thought, boy, if you're being faithful to the task or confident in your plan, there's no reason to go on the defensive or the attack or to talk over one another. Miriam and Aaron went on the attack. Moses did not get on the defensive. Wouldn't you like to be more like Moses? Here's something that I think will help. According to John Maxwell, there are three things that you can make decisions on that will make a difference. Three things that you can choose in life. The first is this. The first is faith. You must choose your faith. You must do it. Your parents can't do it for you. Nobody else, a friend can't do it. You must choose your faith, and it is the thing that will make a difference in your eternity as well as all the things that you're facing today. It'll make the difference. How do people, we talk about sometimes, how do people make it without Jesus? Well, sometimes they survive, but there's no way they can thrive. Second is attitude. You could choose and you must choose your attitude regardless of how you feel. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, put on the mind of Christ. What do you think he was talking about? So that we might be able to have a Christ-like attitude. And the third is character. You, you choose the kind of character you possess. And I know that it matters in God's kingdom. When it comes to serving Him and being trustworthy, what should matter everywhere else? Well, what other kind of followers are making a difference today? Those who have a consistent walk with Jesus 
are making a difference. Those who have a consistent walk with Jesus makes a difference. God told Miriam and Aaron, he did not talk to Moses through dreams or visions, but face-to-face -face or literally mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, meaning he had an intimate relationship with Moses that was like none other. Moses had not seen God's face, but he talks about Exodus chapter 33 here to where that's where God put Moses in the cleft of the rock and the back of God's glory passed by. And so, like none other before, perhaps, he had seen an image of the, God, the glory of God come before him. Then God asked the question, why are you not afraid to speak against my servant? You've probably heard the difference between maybe a thermostat and a thermometer. Well, we should have got in the thermometer business before uh, six months ago, maybe like the mass business, I guess, a lot of those. But a thermostat, we know it is something that's set. It does not change unless somebody changes it, but the thermostat is to set the environment around it. A thermometer, of course, it changes as the environment or the temperature changes. So I want you to understand this. Moses was like a thermostat. Because of his relationship to God, he was consistent in character and leadership. He was used by God to make changes around him. Moses, though not perfect, showed the same godly character in every place and every situation. Aaron, however, was like a thermometer. Aaron was a leader. He was spokesperson for Moses. He was the first of the high priest. But his character seemed to change depending on who he was around. As long as he was with Moses, everything seemed fine. When he's at the bottom of the mountain and Moses up on the top of the mountain, the people talk him into carving the calf in which they, were to, which they wanted to worship. And here, again, we find him with Miriam, and he's following Miriam to criticize his brother and influenced by others. So Moses, like a thermostat, Aaron was like a thermometer to keep the TH thing going. How about this? Miriam was like a thirst for more. It was a thirst for something more. Now, we already talked about her jealousy. Hers was not a desire to know God, but to be known as a leader. So let's at least ask the question, what kind of person are you more like? Are you more like Moses, consistent in your walk with Christ? Are you more like Aaron? Maybe it depends on who you're around, where you are. So what happens on Sunday may be different than what happens during the week. Or are you more like Miriam to where, well, it's more about me? Or want to, more people to know me than I do want to know God? Or I want to, others to recognize me, and that's more important than knowing God. Moses had a unique relationship with God. They talked face to face. And because of Jesus, we can have that relationship and even more. Jesus tore down all the walls and all the barriers that would keep us from being able to hear clearly what the Lord would have to say to us and to have that personal relationship with Him. Consistently, Consistency in our Christian walk only comes through that daily fellowship with Him. Now, I want you to notice the difference here. It's not talking about how Moses spoke to God. It talked the emphasis here on how God spoke to Moses. Spoke to him clearly. Ways in which he could understand intimately. Boy, things that we're facing today. Don't you wish God would speak to you that way? Let me tell you that he wants to. Well, sometimes we have to find ourselves in places and positions. We have to 
to where we might be able to hear from the Lord. That is, in a place like this, or listening so that we might be able to hear from God in a worship setting or Bible study or discipleship time. And it's not just the physical position. You understand it's a heart condition so that we might be able to place where we know that our sins have been forgiven in the place in which we find ourselves. And God wants to speak to us clearly every time our heart is right and we're looking to the Word of God. He wants to speak to us clearly. John 1.1, 1, 1, what is Jesus called? He's called the Word because He is the greatest communication of who God is because He is God in the flesh. Holy Spirit living in us. God does want to talk to you face to face. We've got a couple of more. What kind of people does God use to make a difference? Gracious people. Gracious people make a difference. Speaking of football, who was talking about football? Uh, every coach knows what it's like to win and to lose and it's the difference they know they're going to face during the week either living in the penthouse or living in the outhouse the same is true of every humble servant when things are going well it's easy to serve but you might as well expect some bumps in the road along the way there'll be criticism attacks and persecutions bible says satan is waiting as a hungry lion in order to attack how you handle the tough times shows your true color, shows how gracious you truly are or can be. Moses acted with grace. We read through verse 8 a moment ago. Let's read verses 9 through 13. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 9 says this, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow, and Aaron turned toward Miriam. Behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her. Please, may the Lord bless this reading of his word. Now, the Lord was angry. He departed. And when he departed, Aaron looked at Miriam. She was leprous, white as snow, it was not a good term. It wasn't that she had a little bit of a rash. No, but her body was being rotting away because of the leprosy that was taking place. And Aaron immediately realized his sin. He said, oh, how foolish I am. He turns to Moses and says, oh, Lord, little L. Boy, now he shows him some respect. He says, oh, Lord. He said, please pray to the Lord on Miriam's behalf. Well, what did Moses do? Well, he could have done nothing. Who would have blamed him? But he didn't seek to get revenge. He said, I, should have, I told you, you shouldn't have said anything bad about me. That's not what he said. But he showed grace. And he prayed a simple yet profound prayer. He cried out, he said, Oh God, please heal her. Please. Moses was an example of grace. Well, Jesus taught us how to be gracious. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 43 through 44, what does grace look like? He says, you've heard what it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Boy, it may be the most gracious thing that you could ever do, actually, to begin to sit down and pray for somebody who has not been nice to you. But it represents grace. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's because you have been shown grace. That is, that you have experienced that which you did not deserve because of the blood of Christ. 
you've been able to know him Holy Spirit living you have a home in heaven because you've been shown grace you must demonstrate grace to others even those who may not deserve it by the way if you only give grace forgiveness and mercy to those who deserve it it's not really grace you've not you've, we've yet to understand the true definition of grace now we're growing in this we've got to grow in grace we're not there yet we're not going to be perfect but one more if you, if you, who are the followers of Jesus who are truly making a difference? Those who build up the body. Those who build up the church. That is, we've got to be thinking, well, now what am I doing? Is it really helping people or is it tearing down? Is it helping to build the church and the mission of the church? As a result of the sin and pride because of leprosy, even though she was restored, Miriam was to stay out of the camp for seven days. The rest of the chapter tells us about that, how she stayed out of the camp for seven days before they were able to move forward. Their mission, first leg of the mission was to go to Kadesh Barnea, and there they would spy out the land. And while Moses was being used to fulfill the mission, Miriam and Aaron in their quest for leadership and recognition delayed God's mission. There's definitely a connection between humble servanthood and fulfilling the mission of the church. What was the mission of the Israelites? Well, they were going to live in the promised land, but the bigger picture was that they would be a light to the world about who God is. Is that so different from our mission? What's our mission? Where do we live with Jesus? We're to grow and be more like Jesus so that we might be able to be a light to the world so others may know Him as well. How important is humility and servant leadership? They were not able to move forward for seven days because of the things that happened took place. They were delayed. We'll go further than that. They never went into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land. That generation did not go because they lost the spiritual insight. They were blind to the spiritual insight that kept them from fulfilling their mission. In Ephesians chapter 4, the New Testament, it says, It's he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Servant leaders are seeking to build up the body of Christ. It's about the mission. It's about who Jesus is. It's about you and I working together, being on this journey so that we might be able to fulfill the mission. American author uh, Mark Twain, he grew hostile to the church and to Christianity. Even though he grew up in the church and at least his mother was a believer, he said because he knew those who were members and leaders of the church who were slaveholders and they abused their slaves. He knew men who used foul language and would be involved in dishonest business practices during the week, but on church they spoke religious talk. Even church leaders and pastors who used God's word, he said, in order to uh, or use the pulpit anyway in order to justify slavery. He had examples from his mother and his wife, but he's so disturbed by the poor teaching and bad examples of church leaders and members, they became bitter toward the things of God. Don't think that you can carry the name of Jesus or carry the name Christian and not influence others. Now, on the other hand, I'm no Mark Twain. I'll never be a famous author. But, oh, I've had so many people, godly servant leaders, who have influenced my life for the good.
many of those at Parkway Baptist Church, who've helped me to be able to understand what it is to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and to grow in, in life. How thankful I am for the followers of Jesus who are making a difference. Be one of those. I want you, I need another minute or two of your time. Just another minute or two, because I want, I want to take you back to the scene to where Moses, Miriam, and Aaron are called to the tent of meeting. The Bible says the Lord came down in a cloud and he called Miriam and Aaron a little closer. And he said, Aren't you afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Called their names. He said, Because Moses is my servant and he has been faithful. I want to draw attention to you because there will be a day your name will be called. Satan will accuse you of every wrongdoing that you have ever done. Jesus will be there. And if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him, Jesus will say, he or she is my servant. And he or she has been made righteous by the blood that was spilled on the cross. And all charges will be dismissed. It is the greatest incentive for following Jesus today and making a, living a life that is different. But if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, your name will be called. Every wrongdoing that you have ever done will be listed. And there will be no advocate. And because we live and we serve a holy God, only judgment will be waiting. Ah, but I got good news. I got good news. Whether you're here today, whether you're listening today, online, it is for you. If you don't know Christ, you don't know that you have a home in heaven, don't know that you have Christ in your heart today, the good news is that you can call upon Jesus today. That you can repent of your sins and you can ask Christ to come in today and you can know for sure that you have a home in heaven. And that you can know for sure that you have an advocate. No charges brought against you because Christ took your place on the cross. We encourage you today to call upon him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day you've made. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. And we pray, Father, that you may continue to teach us from your word how to make application from your word to the very things that we're going through today that we're all going through and those things that we're going through personally. And Father, we pray that uh, we might be people who also make a difference in other people's lives. And we pray today, if there's one who does not know you as Lord and Savior, may today they know that your, their name is being called today, being called out so that they may become a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray the day might be the day of salvation for anyone who may be listening today that does not know you as well. For the rest of us, Father, for those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus, may it be a day that we realize that we can make a difference. We can live a different life. Thank you for teaching us. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen and amen.